whoa, you know what? I'm going to be part of the church, but I'm going to be, I'm going to step back because if the church gets too, starts to say things that I don't really like, or maybe calls me to do something that requires sacrifice on my part or a change of attitude on my part, I want to be able to say, whoa, I'm a, I'm a free agent. Uh, you, you don't have authority over me. Welcome to the Ask Anything Podcast, because some things are better said than read. My name is Peter LaRuffa. Before I begin, I want to give a shout out to All Pro Dad. Uh, All Pro Dad is an educational nonprofit that uh, seeks to foster an opportunity to increase parent engagement with their students and does so through the schools, specifically fathers and children. And so they hold monthly gatherings uh, at schools for dads and kids to engage in meaningful conversations uh, that are centered around a character-based curriculum, usually over breakfast, usually once a month. And uh, I've recently become a team captain of a chapter, uh, shout out to Stevens Elementary School, and uh, we had our first meeting and it was an absolute blast. So I might talk about All Pro Dad uh, another time, maybe I'll dedicate a whole episode to it. But for now, I just wanted to shout them out and encourage you to check it out at allprodad.com. That's three three-letter words, allprodad.com. Today I'm going to be answering the following question. What does the Bible say about church membership? Uh, the easy answer is nothing. So if you look in your Bible, if you look in your topical index, if you do a word study, if you open up a concordance and look up church membership or membership, you're not going to find it. And so that's usually kind of the lame way people come about saying church membership isn't biblical. I mean, there's lots of things that aren't biblical in the sense that they're not necessarily mentioned directly in the scriptures. However, the Bible does speak to all matters of life and godliness, all matters of faith and practice, if not directly than through its principles. And so that's what I wanted to raise with you today as far as what the Bible says about church membership. Uh, we see several principles throughout the scriptures that are, I think are important for us to pay close attention to. Uh, when we look in the book of Acts chapter 2, uh, beginning in, well, I, I mean, Peter preaches a sermon uh, and then he calls those who are listening to his sermon to repentance. And it says this in verse 40, with many other words, he testified and strongly urged them saying, be saved from this corrupt generation. Verse 41 says this, so those who accepted his message were baptized and that day about 3,000 people uh, were added to them. Skip down to verse 47. Uh, it says, or towards the end of verse 46, it says, They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. And I think this raises two important points that we need to uh, take into consideration. First of all, it shows that uh, before becoming part of their number, uh, part of their church, part of that gathering, they had to be saved. So salvation was a prerequisite for church membership or to be part of their uh, their group. And you say, well, how does that mean membership? Well, that has to do with the fact that in verse 30, 41, it says about 3,000 people were added to them. Uh, in verse 47, it says, every day the Lord added to their number. And so what we see there is there seems to be somebody keeping some, por some uh, form of a formal uh, account, uh, a, a number that is being recorded, a numerical record of whom the Lord was adding to their number. It's specific. It's not just who the Lord was adding to the kingdom. It's who the Lord is adding to that particular church. Uh, if we go four chapters later in the book of Acts to Acts chapter 6, uh, so just to give you a little bit of background, uh, there was an, uh, an issue that the Hellenistic Jews, uh, that is Greek-speaking Jews, 
um, were being neglected um, over in the daily distribution of food, of resources, etc. And so it says in verse 2, the 12, uh, that is the 12 apostles, summoned the whole company of the disciples and said, it would not be right for us to give up preaching the word of God to wait on tables. What they're saying is they can't, they can't do both. It would not be right if we neglected one uh, to do the other. So verse 3 says this, brothers and sisters, select from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the spirit and wisdom, whom we can appoint to this duty. And if you read on, they do select people who are appointed to that task and they serve and God is glorified as a result. But on a call to your attention is what it says in verse 3, brothers and sisters, select from among you. So from among you. That means there was a well-defined group. Nobody there said, among us, what is this? Wait, what do you mean among us? We don't know who that is. Select from among you uh, people to do this task. And so that's what people did, and it was not confusing. They weren't saying, wait a minute, from among us, who is that? There was a well-defined group. And so what we see in the book of Acts as the church was just being started, right? This is the, 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 first, the first records we have of any church being started is in Acts chapter 2 and in Acts chapter 6, we see there's some form of a defined number of people. It wasn't just this, this uh, nebulous number of Christians who it could have been from any Christian, just take any Christian. No, no, they wanted Christians and Christians whom they knew and Christians whom they trusted and Christians who were among them to do this task. But in addition to the those things, I think there's a more important thing that we need to consider, and it's not just about numbers, although that's important, and it's not just about record keeping, although that is also important. And that's this. It helps me as a pastor understand my job and who my who I'm responsible for as a pastor, and it helps people know who to look to for teaching, for care, and for protection. Um, and so let's talk about my job first, if you don't mind. Uh, if you go to the book of 1 Peter chapter 5, uh, Peter says this, I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and witness to the sufferings of Christ, as well as one who shares in the glory is about to be revealed. Verse 2, shepherd God's flock among you, not overseeing out of compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, etc., etc. Again, verse 2, shepherd God's flock among you. And so I am told I'm to shepherd not just the, the whole flock of God, like just any, any Christian is supposed to be my responsibility, but shepherd those who are among me, among my congregation, not just any sheep, not just any person who happens to wander in and claim Christ, but really pay special attention to those who have uh, committed themselves to this particular flock, be their shepherd. Why? Because it takes enough work for me and my fellow elders to shepherd the flock of God that is among us. Thank God we don't have the responsibility to shepherd the flock of God that is not among us. That's why primarily as you see the church, the ecclesia referred to throughout the New Testament, it's always associated with a location, a locale. It's a local church. It's not just this big global nebulous church. That is spoken of. That is a thing that all of us are part of the family of God, right, who believe in Jesus Christ for salvation, who have put our faith and trust in him and believe the gospel. We are part of the glorious church and we will be part of one church. But so long as the Lord tarries, and so long as we're here on earth, we're part of individual churches. And I, as a pastor, know who to shepherd by who has decided to join themselves up to my flock. Uh, similarly, if we look at the book of Hebrews, uh, chapter 13, uh, we read this in verse uh, 7. The writer of Hebrews says this, Remember your leaders who have spoken God's word to you as you carefully observe the outcome of their lives 
imitate their faith. So again, not just remember leaders, remember your leaders uh, who have spoken God's word to you and carefully observe the outcome of their lives and imitate their faith. That's not just any leader, but your leaders. You're not just told to imitate the life of any Christian leader, but the leaders that you are able to view and to observe the outcome of their life, as it says in verse 7. Later on in verse 17, it says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, since they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account, so that they can do this with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. And so this speaks to kind of both Both things that I said are pretty important, me understanding my job and Christians understanding their job as members of the church. It says, obey your leaders and submit to them. Now, submission is an act of the will. Uh, You submit to somebody when you're willingly choosing to align your values and to place yourself under their leadership. If you're not part of a local church, if you've not joined yourself to a specific body, friends, who are you supposed to submit to? Just any Christian leader? Anybody who says they're a Christian leader, surely not. You're supposed to submit to people, similarly to how the writer of Hebrews said earlier, watch their lives, observe the outcome of their lives. That's not any Christian leader, but those that you are in community with. And so it says to submit to them since they keep watch over your souls. This is a little bit getting more to the my side of the coin, right? My job. Whose souls am I keeping watch over? Uh, Even after that, it says, as those who will give an account. Oh my. I want to know who am I going to give an account for to the Lord as a shepherd, as an under-shepherd, as somebody who's seeking to shepherd well his flock. Who am I accountable to the Lord for? And so church membership is simply the mechanism, if you will, that we employ to build these principles together of what we believe the local church needs to contain, at least in part. It should be a given number of people. It should be people who know who their leaders are, who they should be watching, and we as leaders should know who we are caring for, watching for, reaching out to in love, in care, in teaching, in discipline, in all the things. Opponents of church membership uh, usually are kind of people who are like, it's kind of like a dating relationship, but they refuse to actually get married, right? They like the friends with benefits thing, and it's just like, why put a name on it? And why make it so official? Uh, there's a reason. It's because God, and we can go into this another time, but because God created the institution of marriage. Well, God also created the institution of the church, and it's okay to date for a while, but eventually you probably should just follow the words of the theologian Beyonce, and if you like it, you should put a ring on it, okay? So you should do something uh, official. You should do something that would make it official. Just like in a, in a relationship, it needs to get out of the dating stage at some point, or it ought to be out of the dating stage at some point. I think it's the same thing with the church. You can date for a while and then decide, is this where you want to place your, like, is this where you want to pitch your tent? Uh, is this the church that you want to join? If not, have a reason why? Um, I think it's part of growing maturity in, in, in our walk with the Lord to accept responsibility that I would have to be an active, accountable, contributing, participatory member of the body of Christ as a mature and growing Christian versus an immature person who just kind of wants to date around. Because there's a certain amount of freedom that comes with just, well, you know what, I'm going to be part of the church, but I'm going to be, I'm going to step back. Because if the church gets too, starts to say things that I don't really like, or maybe calls me to do something that requires sacrifice on my part or a change of attitude on my part, I want to be able to say, whoa, I'm a, I'm a free agent. Uh, you, you don't have authority over me. 
And that indicates a whole host of issues that are in people's hearts and minds of not wanting to be accountable, not wanting to be part of a body of Christ, not wanting to rub shoulders with other sheep and have shepherds lovingly care for and shepherd the flock of God uh, that is among them. And so I think it's better to kind of leave the playing of house to the kids and actually as we grow and mature to uh, accept the responsibility of actually being part of a church family and being part of the family of God. And so that's what church membership is all about. It's just the mechanism by which we uh, bring to bear the things that we see in the scriptures that God has ordained for his people as they seek to be part of the local church and give glory to him.